Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. And you know what? I'm only as hip as my guest, but I am getting hipper. I've got this new single-serve coffee combo from Cafe Valet. Their brewers are inexpensive, as little as $25 for a brewer and a 10-sample coffee packs, or just $20 when you use a discount code COOPER. And put it all in caps. It looks cooler when you just put COOPER. And I'll tell you something. Compared to other single-serve coffee systems, you can save up to 100 bucks. With Cafe Valet, I get a great tasting cup of coffee brewed in just minutes, just the way I like it, every time. So how's that for him? So go to CafeValet.com and use the code COOPER and save even more. That's CafeValet.com and the coupon code is COOPER to get this combo for just for 20 bucks. So I'm telling you, it's really good coffee. And they have decaf and I drink the decaf so you can get it and it's better than Keurig and it's easy to use. So go to CafeValet.com, type in COOPER and you got $5 off. Anyway, we have a great, uh, great show today. My guest, it was funny. She, uh, she had an audition today, and uh, it's and she. I always talk about like in LA, like you never know how far things are going to be. My guest is Stephanie Herb. How you doing, Stephanie? Hey, good. How are you? Good. Now I was going to say because I know you were at your audition, and yeah, and you're like me. If I, I don't do audition much, but if I do, I always get there early. Always. And you always get done early, usually. Usually, although you know, lately I've been noticing that. Uh, uh, people are not going to hop to it necessarily if they have a backup of 30 actresses sitting there. So you just never know. I sometimes can spend uh, six hours driving around and, you know, I'll get home for dinner about eight or it depends. It depends. It's it's uh, but L.A. because of traffic, you can get somewhere in 20 minutes or you can get somewhere in an hour and a half. Right. That's what I say <laughs> when you're in Santa Monica and I'm thinking, and yeah, you think it's like. You sit there and you go, okay, it's Santa Monica. And when people visit me, they're like, because I live in Burbank, and they go, hey, let's go to let's Venice. Let's go to the or beach. Only, it's yep. only 22 miles. And, and then I'm you like, kind of sigh and go, I yeah. don't really want to go to the beach. I live in the valley. Right. My, <laughs> my friend did that. My friend's like, oh, yeah, it's a, uh, let's go. I'm like, I'm like, at gym, it's Friday at, uh, at 130 ah so what it's only 22 miles i said well it's not as bad it might, it might take us 40 minutes getting down but just so you know when we're coming back on the 405 at friday night at six o'clock it's gonna take us an hour and a half oh you're full of crap you're full of crap we get in the car he's like man do you got I, I gotta use ways we're like in westwood we're going down side roads and it's like crazy well ways does help i will say that it, it does. does help a lot but you know you're also dealing with people who are texting on the 101 and you know, I think I got cut off by at least three Mercedes on the way home today. Today I was being persecuted by Mercedes, I have to say. Isn't that the worst? It's, yeah. It's like, it's like, I hate it. This is no lie. The other day I was at a light and my last name's Cooper. And there was a mini Cooper in front of me and back of me. And I was just like, please, this is so trite. I'm like, I, I can't even say anything about it. So so you had the audition. But now, now you, uh, you grew up in... Ohio? I grew up kind of all over the United States, but I would say predominantly I was in Ohio, in Cleveland. And now uh, you come from a creative background. Your father was a composer, My I believe? My father was a, an avant-garde classical composer. He actually played jazz trumpet in the 50s, and then he pursued uh, composition and became kind of a renowned classical composer. So what's that like growing up? I mean, you're in a... a <laughs> I mean, what's it like? It, it was kind of fun because... Unlike most kids I knew, I was I had lots of weird long hair musicians in my house all the time. Most people, most of my dad's students, he taught as well, really revered him and became part of our family. So um, it, it, it was nice to have an extended family of creative people. I do remember, however, as a kid, constantly coming to the landing at, after I went to bed, begging my dad to turn down the music a few decibels because he'd like to play is uh, classical music incredibly loud after we go to bed. So, um, you know, it had its ups and downs, but uh, my sisters and my brother and I got to see a lot of concerts, uh, listen to a lot of concerts, be part of them sometimes. So I would say it was pretty exciting. So now, at what did you want to be um, in music when you were a kid, or what did you want to do? Um, I think the music gene skipped me. <laughs> so that became kind of like, I think my piano teacher went, if Stephanie could find something else to do, maybe she should do that. And that was not probably what my dad wanted to hear. Um, but you know, I was very smart. So I was constantly being told by teachers, you'd be a great doctor or a lawyer. So I always had it in my head, I'll be a doctor or a lawyer. Um, I took acting classes at the Cleveland Playhouse as a kid because I'd always 
had a fascination for the acting craft, but I never thought I would have the guts to pursue it because it's scary. I mean, I, I had a lot of um, probably some stage fright early on too. Uh, but then the more I did it, the more I enjoyed the camaraderie of it and the, the, the part of acting that's sort of creative and creating a character really excited me. Nevertheless, I decided to be a doctor and I went to SMU in Dallas and got a degree in biology and English. And then I broke up with a boyfriend and my whole life kind of went on an upheaval mode and I realized that I did not want to be an 80 year old lady sitting on my porch in my rocking chair going well I wanted to be an actor but I was afraid so I auditioned for the theater department at SMU which is kind of like one of the top 10 schools at the time I didn't know that it's so funny you learn this stuff and I've learned this through this show like, yeah I never knew um what's the school in Pittsburgh Carnegie Mellon I never knew oh there is a program too and I thought that was like for engineering and smart people because I saw the movie Wonder Years <laughs> you know I was like that's they or, yeah, I'm sure what, they Wonder. have smart people no there no no, 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 no Wonder Boys like I thought it was like a real like a brainy school I didn't think it was yeah. an artsy school and so now SMU as I always think, football, Mustangs, and, and all yeah. that stuff. In fact, that was big deal back when I was there. But you know, they had incredibly. My biology degree. I have a specialty in the study of parasites, parasitology, because they had one of the most uh, well-known parasitology professors there, and he was really cool. And I so I took a lot of parasite classes, which are disgusting things where you end up centrifuging rat poop all afternoon, you know, but I basically told myself I'd finish my English and biology degrees. But if I got into the theater department, I would consider that a sign from the universe that I should pursue it. And it, you know, they had hundreds and hundreds of kids auditioning. So I didn't think I had a chance in hell, really. But I did get in as a transfer student. And so I took a lot of summer school, wrapped up my other degrees and pursued theater. And that is kind of where my focus has been. What is that like going from, I mean, such a, from biology, you know, like such a, a, a field where you're, it's you in a lab and yeah. now you're with all these other people. And it's, I mean, I don't know if the world of parasites is a very uh, it's, competitive it's, field. But <laughs> I don't know, but I'm saying, but then you're going into this field that's competitive and it's a whole different outlet because you're, you're transitioning to completely different people it I mean, was extremely it was quite a, a a transition first of all i i love teachers and i i'm a good student i love being a student so i think most of my favorite professors in english and biology were like you're doing what 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 are you doing uh, you know and then but they knew i was kind of different so they kind of supported it and i still did work just as hard finishing up those degrees and i you know i won accolades of sorts uh, but then you go into the theater department which is very isolated you're in one building all day long and people are having their personal crises and coming out of the closet and don't get the roles they want including me I often didn't get the roles I wanted um, and you know it's much more of an emotional place and uh, in many ways more demanding because you're working on your body and your voice and you know it goes into the evening and you're doing tech on a play and you're learning lines for a play so uh, it could wear you out a lot faster than the academic world too I thought um, but I, I learned a toughness there that I probably wouldn't have gotten from English or biology, I must say. So you graduate? Yes, I graduated twice with three degrees. See, that's that's amazing. <laughs> but see, that's cool. It's like you know, you you always hear the story like, well, they have a major and a minor, but you yeah. have three different degrees, so yeah. your wall must it's, be very it's, cluttered. It's a well, I don't even have them out. I don't know where they are. They're probably <laughs> under my bed because basically, I just decided I want to work as an actor, and I really enjoy the craft. I enjoy. Uh, but, but, you know, I had pretty much set my sights on theater. So I went straight to New York and it dawned on me after many years of working that a lot of theater actors are broke <laughs> and a lot of theater actors, especially in New York, you know, you go away, you do a play. If you're lucky, you do one in New York. And when you're done, you still have very high rent to pay and food to eat. And, and, um, the Broadway jobs were often 
from what I could see, going to TV and film stars. So I thought, heck, I got to go get some TV and film credits. So I packed my car up and I drove to L.A. to to pursue TV and film. Now, did you know people when you came to LA? No, I was an idiot. I mean, I don't. I now that I look back on what I did, I think I was crazy. I packed packed my car up. I had a boyfriend at the time, but I said, "I'm sorry, I'm a career woman. I'm moving to LA. You know, it it'll be cool if we keep this relationship going. But if it doesn't, it's not really what I'm about right now." And I, a uh, girl I knew, also wanted to move to LA. We got my my horrible Ford Taurus. Now I hear Tauruses are better now. So, but it was an old Taurus. I don't know. I it's still. <laughs> it's like the, the Taurus. So it's like when they. I know when they started out. Right. Everyone's like, oh, they're excited, and they had lots of problems. Yeah. Oh, mine. Oh God, it was horrible. And and we drove across the country, and I had supposedly had an in with a producer who shall remain unnamed. Uh, when the in was really that this producer wanted me to be like an au pair at their house and live in their maid's quarters. And, you know, it was sort of like being Cinderella. It was pretty awful. And I didn't have any friends there. And I had a very bad car and not very much money. Uh, but, you know, you find your way. I think through through SMU, I found a friend of a friend who said I could move in with her. I didn't work for the, the people who had invited me out to... Uh, to be Cinderella for them. <laughs> and then I got, you know, I worked as a nanny for celebrities, which is... What was that like? Oh, it's really not a good job. <laughs> I mean, unless unless you find a really lovely, uh, you know, a couple or people who really honor the people who work for them. But for the most part, a nanny is a job where the kid would rather have the parents and the parents would rather be with the kids. So you're kind of the person who's facilitating something that makes everybody uncomfortable. And if they're super rich or famous, that means they're even busier. So you mostly raise their kids. So you really couldn't concentrate on your acting? Because no, it, it was probably the, the, you know, it's the worst thing I could have done. It probably got me started off slower than if I had waited tables or done something that other people do. Um, but eventually I managed to find my way into uh, an agency and started booking things and then I quit. I quit the nanny business. Oh, I thought you said you quit. I was like, wait, you quit? You got no, 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 no. I was no. like, wait a second. So now, now you're going out, so you finally get on the agent. Now, are you feeling comfortable auditioning? Because I know you did a lot of you did a lot of theater. Tons of theater. So, I mean, it's, I mean. It's I, I, funny because I was terrified because of the theater thing. The first job I booked was a Star Trek Next Generation <laughs> And uh, it was actually on my wish list of things I wanted to do because I was a Trekkie. I mean, I I watched Kirk and did Spock. Did you watch? Did you watch all? Do you still watch the Treks? Uh, not as much right now. They're on BBC America a lot, and sometimes when they're on, I just watch them. And I'm on a couple episodes. Um, but at the time, I was like madly in love with Spock, and I wanted to marry him. You know, when I was 11, <laughs> I wanted to marry him. Because uh, they were on reruns forever, and you and I didn't even have an you know an idea that it was something that was from a long time ago that was canceled. <laughs> to me, it was like new. Um, so one of the things I wrote when I left New York is I wanted to do a Star Trek episode. So that was weirdly enough the first job I booked. Ron Serma was the casting director, and uh, they rushed me right into wardrobe, and I. I thought, wow, this is my dream come true. Then you get on the set and you're like, I'm used to being loud on stage and I have a very expressive face. So I was terrified to move my face. You know, I mean, I think if you watch the episode of Next Generation, my face is hardly moves at all because I was like, I just don't want my lips to look like earthworms crawling across the screen of your television. Um, and I watched Patrick Stewart really carefully as much as I could. I tried to just learn. I remember before his close-ups, he would yawn. So I thought, okay, that's how he relaxes himself. So I'm going to start doing that. But there, the, there whole, are... the whole set's yawning. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and, and Jonathan Frakes was really nice. Everyone was so lovely. It was just, I my call was 3 a.m. So by the time you actually get to say lines, you're exhausted. Because... Um, uh, Michael Westmore had to paint a tattoo on my forehead, and the hairdos take 
two hours. So it was kind of a grueling first job, but I, I think it came out okay. And it, that's kind of what kicked me off out here. So you get out here, you get that, that show, and now you get the feel of it. A lot different than theater. You, yes. You, you're yawning before you go. Just yeah. Just so to get that down. So now, now, what do you do then? Do you feel confident? You say, okay, I booked something. And were you missing theater at all? Because you seem like someone who loved theater, so it must be weird. You know, I you always miss theater, but I do a lot of it out here. And frankly, uh, even when I was living out here, I ran away one summer to do Utah Shakespeare Festival. And, you know, I whatever connections I had in the theater, occasionally they would work on my behalf and I just run away and do a play. I did a Prelude to a Kiss at La Mirada Theater one of the first years I was out here and that's also a paying theater gig. Now we have Equity Waiver out here, which is you do not get paid very much, but you know, I've done a fair amount of theater with companies all over LA too. And those are just things you do to keep from getting rusty and to remember why you love doing what you do. I mean, occasionally a TV or film gig will be amazing, and you'll have that same rush from it. Uh, but a lot of times TV can be like, it's so fast that you don't really get to relax into it, get to know people, uh, and have that feeling of teamwork that you would really, that, that a lot of us love about doing a play. Yeah. So you're here. You do the Star Trek. Now mm-hmm. you, you start going. You have you have that you have that first gig under the belt. So you yeah. got you got to be a little <laughs> bit happy. Like you're like okay. So now and I saw you were you were actually you were on a few episodes of Dream On. Oh yeah, the I finale love, episodes. I love that show. I I always wonder. What you know, happened. it's funny because they don't run it, rerun it anywhere. It just disappeared. And even that actor, what was his name? Brian. Brian Ben Ben Ben. He was. He was great. I wonder what happened to him too. I, you know, I always wonder because he was. I remember I watched that, and he was, he was a little guy, and he was yeah. always hooking up with beautiful women. And he's every funny. episode. So, so you do, you're doing that. So you're getting work. So now, yeah. uh, is that is it an exciting time because you're sitting there going, or is it a little frustrating because you're not getting the well? Work you, you know, want? it it goes in cycles. I think that the illusion is that you start on this train and it chugs along a track, but really it's stopping and starting all the time. I mean, I. Uh, managed to wangle my way into an audition for Peter Weir's film Fearless. Uh, and I, it's a very, very long story, which I will not bore you with. No, but, no, please, you know, condense it a little bit. I want to hear because I love stories like this. Well, I had learned where he was staying in his hotel. <laughs> and I uh, wrote him a letter and had my boyfriend at the time dress up in a suit and go to the Bel Air Hotel and leave Peter Weir a message. And basically... You know, I feel like whenever you contact someone in the industry, you must come from a sincere place or it's just baloney, you know. And really, Peter Weir is one of my heroes. He's an amazing director. So I basically said that. I didn't even ask him for anything. I just said, I'm a theater actress trying to transition to film and television, and I really adore your work, and here's my resume. Well, that kind of led to... The movie he was working on had lots of smaller female roles, and he requested me to come in and read for Howard Feuer, who had never heard of me because no one had ever heard of me, and I think he was curious as to why Peter Weir would request to see me, but I um, I read for three different roles, but they were very, very different. One was like a teenager who worked at a rental car agency, one was in it. FAA executive and the other one was a flight attendant. How do you do that? I mean, I, I know you're an actor and that's going to be the actor, but it's like they're so different. It's well, like- you know, I, it depends on what kind of actor you are. I love that. That is what makes me happy as an actor to play things that are completely other than who I am to uh, to delve into what makes a person tick is what excites me about acting, the transformational aspects of it. I really do not want to play myself over and over again, which is also a danger in TV because you end up getting boxed in by what you look like. But those of us who are you know very plastic in our looks and meaning we're flexible, I can look very grungy and i can look pretty glam and i like it that way i don't want to just look pretty i want you to ugly me up and and give me a blacked out tooth you know so for me that was exciting i could really think about how each of these people would behave in terms of their age and their profession and all that stuff so i think that's why howard fewer kind of went hmm that was an interesting actress 
then it went on to me meeting Peter Weir, and then I ended up booking a month on the movie Fearless. Now, what's that like? As you say, you're get working with one of one of your idols. I mean, it's got to be a little I don't scary. Know. It scared the crap out of me. <laughs> I have to say. I mean, but he is not scary. He's probably one of the most open, uh, generous guys who would like ask you what your opinion was you you lowly actress who's never done anything you know he would ask us in the in the plane scenes what do you think about what does this movie mean to you and stuff and you know that is very uncommon as far as I have experienced thus far but um I was frightened I was excited you know I got to work with John Turturro and Jeff Bridges and Benicio Del Toro I got to meet all these people and uh in a weird way it almost started me off too high, you know, because after that, I was like, when's my next movie? You know, and I, I, people kept saying, this movie's going to be so big. It's going to be so big. You're going to be set after this because it was a, a nice pivotal role. Well, the movie was publicized as a plane crash movie. That doesn't turn people no, on. You're not like, hey, what are you going to do on date night? No. Go see the planes. And, and, be, and at that time, and this is so ridiculous, Jeff Bridges was not really a big, big star. This was on his rise to fame. Such a wonderful actor. But, you know, I think Peter Weir even said I had to fight for him because he was not considered a marquee actor, whatever that means. Um, so the movie came out and it didn't do very well. I still remember that movie because the strawberries. Yeah, exactly. I, still remember I mean, it's that. a beautiful That's film. A great movie. It just was publicized, marketed weirdly, and put, came out at a time and nobody saw it. I mean, I'm sure people saw it and people still see it, but it didn't do for my career what you know I was told it might. And then there came a long time where it was just impossible for me to get a job. It was, you know, it's like I said, it's stop and start. So you have to kind of pull back and go back to the drawing board and i feel like you know a career is about um a lot of doing that unless you're lucky enough to be one of these people who sort of does the the consistent rise to stardom but i don't think there are very many people who can even say that was their path well you're working in different shows and it's funny because i know you yeah. on two episodes of freaks and geeks yes <laughs> which which is weird i think for now because you must have like because because of there's things as Netflix and Hulu, right? And when Freaks and Geeks came out, it wasn't as popular. Yeah, people didn't get it till it was gone. Right, and so it was so sad. And because it was, <laughs> it has such a great cast. Yeah, it was a. Gr I mean, they were all people who went on to do amazing things, and Paul Feig was the mastermind behind it, and uh, you know, it was near and dear to his heart. I think, uh, you know, and I for one might teacher character was the English teacher and I was going to come back the following season so I was excited about that but then it just went it went down the old network tube and it's funny because it had good reviews it yeah. had good acclaim and that seems like it happens a lot and it's so it's so irritating because you know there's so many shows that are just crap I mean and, That's I, it's, so and true. you sit there and then you go wow I was just talking to someone about the show men of a certain age which was a really good show it was uh -huh. really and it was like Oh no! Well, the ratings aren't good, and then they start doing the let's put it in this slot. They let's move it, it around, and then it disappears. Now, with freaks and geeks, you must sit there, and people must remember you because you have a whole all these people are watching it now. Well, you know the thing is that yeah, Netflix and everyone's watching a lot of things I was on. I mean, people seem to think I'm on TV all the time. <laughs> um, and actually, if you look at IMDb, I am on TV every week somewhere, somehow. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm rolling in the dough either because it's like $12 residuals at this point. But uh, Freaks and Geeks was a huge cult hit, and it still is. There are young kids watching it now. You know, they're teenagers who are into it now. And you have James Franco and you have Linda Cardellini and all these people who are now major stars. Now, what's that like? Because you, so you have a very impressive IMDb. It's, Thank it's, you. it's a long IMDb. And as you said, you're on every, you know, thing. And it, yeah. But now, and even if you get, you know, you see on Facebook, people put like the penny residual check. I mean, what's it like? Do you constantly get residual checks? And does the bank just sit there and go, oh, God, here comes that lady yeah, with 40 checks. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Especially, you know, if you've done a lot of cable shows, the residuals for cable are 
ridiculously tiny very quickly. So, you know, say I did I did half a season of True Blood and I'll get like a stack of checks in my mailbox. I don't get excited about that anymore <laughs> because it might add up to a good, let's see, I could buy uh, a In-N-Out burger. That's probably about it. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of waste of paper. I'm hoping that SAG after will figure out how to like do uh, instant deposits for those kinds of things because I have stacks of paper that yeah. don't add to, up to much. It's just, yeah, that must be, it's like, and you sit there and you're like, oh my God, really? And, and I would think, you would think they have a better system because it's yeah, like, okay, you would. And you got to sign them all. Yes. And you got to sit there and you're like, it's, and I don't think he's just going to. And some stand. of them are for two cents. Oh, I got one last week that just said void. <laughs> so basically cost the whatever money to mail it to me that, that would have, you know, the two cents or whatever. So uh, it is a silly thing. And I'm hoping that they will somehow fix that. Yeah, well, now, so as you're acting along, and I, said, yes. I mean, I said you have a lot of, I mean, so you're going from, you're auditioning for shows, and you're yep. getting on shows. Mm -hmm. Now, are you getting some shows where they sit there, and they knew your work, and they go, hey, you know, come on in, you know, and just, they book you off it? Like, I'm talking, like, you know, I see you, because you're going, you're going from two and a half men, you're doing NYPD Blue, you're yeah. doing all, you're doing all different things, as you said, because the the plasticness. You know, yeah, you know, and points. I think that can work for you or against you, because I do do comedy and I do drama equally well I think if I don't say so myself but that doesn't mean that they go "Ooh, Stephanie she does comedy and we want to get her on a sitcom it's more like she's a really good actress and I would I think even my agents will say Stephanie's a really good actress but you know for longevity's sake um, you really want to find a place especially in TV where you can grow into sort of a product, I guess you would call it, or a brand as everyone likes to call it. Um, I don't, I don't want to be limited by that, but I do want to continue working and I would love to be on a series. So, you know, because it gets a little lonely. You know, you do a couple episodes of a show. I, I did Ray Donovan last year and I really loved all the people on it and I got to know the crew and um the actors and i thought i would love to just hang out with these people a little longer then my episodes are done and i go home and i'm like well it's all over and it pretty much is you know that that's why i think everyone wants a tv series because especially if you're lucky enough to have a great symbiosis between producers and cast where everyone likes each other that's just dreamy that's that's the brass ring for much of us you know now you were also you were on, uh, two episodes of Twenty Four. Yeah. Now, now what? I mean, and you also did some Star Trek. Yep. So, what's that like to be on these higher profile shows? Because people, they, the fan. I'm talking about the fan base. Like uh -huh. in the Star Trek, you could be on one episode of Star Trek. Oh yeah, that's and, all. <laughs> and people will go, "Oh my god, oh my god!" Like like people that you would probably sit there and go, "Oh, I just did this episode, just like any other show." And yeah, and has because the the guest right before you was on Voyager for seven seasons. Uh -huh. So you have those Trekkie fans. Well, that's a seven season. But, but, person, but what's right? it? What's it like? Like people. Well, people you know, they have that. they have their little books with all the cast members in it, and I am in it twice, and I have been invited to do a few conventions here and there, and you know, I just I find that science nerds or trekkies or any of the people who are into a lot of the sci-fi stuff i i'm one of those people too so i totally get it um uh you know i would have followed uh leonard nimoy around <laughs> it's, it's just so it's a, that's such a random crush like i know you know because then i like nerds i like smart guys and i just i thought he was much sexier than kirk that yeah. was just me well kirk was um, sort of cheesy well, yeah, but he's cute too. But you, you know, it, I think um, as uh, Leonard got older, because you know, then when I was, the movies started coming out because the series was long gone, and so it kind of lived on that way. And I always really, I enjoyed reading science fiction. I like watching good science fiction, and um, so I totally get those people. I went to Comic Con a couple of years ago, and I had a blast. You know, I love Doctor Who. Now, did you go as Comic Con as a? No, a I went as I got a I got a pass, and I went just to see what it was all about. Um, uh, you have to kind of reserve a table or something ahead of time. I don't know the whole process, and like I said, if I had, I run this weird mix of because of True Blood and Star Trek and 
and other and some horror movies I've done and stuff where I'm kind of in the mix of the sci-fi horror people, but it's not really one or the other thing. Um you know, because I just do all sorts of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's funny because Comic-Con, I remember when I lived in San Diego, it was when it was first starting. I lived uh-huh. downtown. And back then, like it was at the old convention center and it was like nothing. It's like you sit oh, there wow, and it's... you go, you go, wow. And now it's like this, this hugest it's, thing. It's amazing. I mean, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And uh, my, I also really enjoy Doctor Who and some of the other shows that are part of that. So... I had a blast. Now, what were some of the horror movies you've done? Well, uh, The Ring. Okay, now what, uh, what's that like to do a horror movie? And and, and, and do you ever get? Sc- I know you can't get scared, but does it creep you <laughs> well, out? Well, like a in bit? The Ring, I played the like the geeky lesbian edit bay technician that helps Naomi Watts with the the cursed videotape. Um, so that wasn't particularly creepy. In, in fact, it was kind of like the comic relief because I'm I have my pants pulled up to my armpits and my hair in these sloppy braids and. That's the scene where Naomi Watts's nose starts bleeding. I'm kind of like, you got a thing right there. And Gore Verbinski even had us shoot it a different way where I kind of asked her out. <laughs> and I was so hoping that would end up in the final cut of the movie, but it didn't. So, you know, that wasn't particularly scary at all. Uh, I did a movie called Mischief Night a couple of years ago where I did, in fact, get murdered um, and and had blood burning out of my neck and unfortunately up into my sinus cavities because it was being pumped with such force that it was like all over my so that was really unpleasant but you know uh, I don't get scared easily what scares me more is people like making a mistake on a set and accidentally shooting me or something you know (laughs) now is that the first time you got killed on set Mm. in in a show no I I think the first time I got killed, Andy Richter strangled me with a towel on Monk. That was the first time I got killed. Now, what's it like uh, to, to actually, like, because you have to play, you know, you, you're not, of course, you're not dead. No. But, I mean, it's sort of like, you know, you sit there and do you worry, like, okay, now I'm getting killed. I'm supposed to be dead. I don't would always breathe. think, yeah, <laughs> don't breathe. Or I would, like, I would somehow get a tick on my face well, and, you know, and get that itch. There's this thing called editing. And,. A lot of what's on camera, get if it's well edited, anything can be forgiven or made look to look much better than it is or much worse than it is, actually. So I didn't worry too much about being dead because I figured if they got me blinking or taking a big old deep breath, they would cut around it. So, uh, you know, I did a, an ER where I had to lie still on a gurney for a long time. That just gets painful, though, right. because, you know, you're lying still with things up your nose and, and uh, you know, in your mouth and stuff going, wow, this is a weird way to make a living. And I remember it was back when Anthony Edwards was on the show and somebody was talking about me, you know, because I'm unconscious and part of the scene and then put their file my file right down on my chest like i was a prop you know and i was like oh excuse me i'm a person and that hurt a little bit but okay so yeah there are things you have to put up with i think um but um there are every job has its pluses and minuses i think now true blood yeah when you went on that and that's that's one again with a cult class cult people absolutely cult. and and they're Trubies. like and they're like the cool ones because they're the hbo people it's not yeah. it's, it's like with ray donovan it's like the cool it's like the hey, showtime it's like people. hey yeah we, we can afford we can afford more than basic cable you know we, we're all about that now true blood when you auditioned for that did you know it would be a few times or was it just to start off you know like i actually auditioned for other well first of all alan ball who produces who was the executive producer true blood also did six feet under which i had done an episode of that before so he knew who i was um and true blood i didn't did i audition for it that was an offer because i don't even think they knew because we were a a coven of witches i don't think they knew exactly what we would be doing i thought it was one episode and then it just kept going and going which was fabulous that must be great for you know when you get that call and they go oh you're coming back and you're probably like when you think it's just gonna be one and done it must be a great feeling that's that's what we all wish for you know i i did a soap last year i did the young and the restless and they said five episodes i was like great that's cool 
I, you know, soaps are hard and I learned a lot from doing it and then it kept getting longer and I did, I think, 13 or 14 episodes of Young and the Restless because it just, you know, they like you, they keep you around if your plot line doesn't close up. You know, I did a, The Fosters, which is an ABC family show where I played the gynecologist to the lesbian couple who wanted to have, well, one of them wanted to have a baby. And I was like, oh, wow, this could be a lot of work because there's, you know, the pregnancy and then the baby's born and and the baby died. <laughs> so, so that was two episodes. And, you know, apparently everyone else knew this, but I didn't know that the baby was doomed. So, you know, one of the producers just looked at me and she went, you just weren't a very good gynecologist. <laughs> I was like, ow! <laughs> so. Now, you said working on the soap, and, I, and as you said, it's hard. I've heard, like, because you have to learn your lines every day. And, yep. and And I know, like, you with a theater background, right. you know, you perform every day, and I'm sure when you're in theater, it's hard work. Oh, but, yeah. But it's the same show, so you sit there and you do it. Right. When you're, how do you go about with a soap when they sit there and they go, Okay, okay, here yep. you go, Stephanie. Uh, great, great, great. But you know what, tomorrow, completely different. Yep. So what is your pro work process as an actor? Well, first of all, I have to say I have huge respect for the actors who do soaps for years because uh, your little memory cells in your brain have to be working overtime. Um it becomes something that you get better and better at. You just go home and you work it and you work it. I, I'm sure that the stars have someone who just runs lines, run lines with them all day. But, you know, these people that I worked with, Sharon Case, who's on Young and the Restless, was my patient. I played a psychotherapist. And she could get through pages of monologues and crying and stuff and hardly bat an eye um, because she's been doing it for 30 years so it, it really is a skill and I think every actor should do a soap just to see what it's like to have to a if you if you you have to learn your lines incredibly quickly B if you get lost you have to be able to like fake it you know and really stay as focused as you possibly can all day you can't really goof around and mess up that much because they are on a really tight schedule you know how do you get used to that pace I mean as I said because you're coming from TV which you know is drawn out and well, TV is fast, too, but soaps are the fastest. I mean, they shoot an entire episode in a day, and, and they go home by 5 o'clock. I mean, it's a great life if you have a family, too, because you can actually go home and have dinner with your kids, whereas a lot of the people on the dramas, they're doing 18-hour days, and they're exhausted. So it's, it's a different kind of actor life. Um, but for me, because I was sort of a newbie coming into it, I had to really stay you know stick to the paper and le learn it learn it learn it the night before and uh and really stay as focused as i possibly could and ask as many questions as i could without slowing things down i think that's important because they have a schedule now with true blood did you start having people who started recognizing as you said the, the trubies or whatever they're called did you and was that sort of different because it's that's like a side it's like a a, a vampire people yeah those are <laughs> well i think the most fun i had with the trubies was the premiere party screening of the year the season i was on because they had a huge section that was all fans just waiting hoping somebody would pay attention to them and to me i'm like of course i'll pay attention to you not everyone wanted to go over there and talk to them but i was like i like to talk to people who are I mean, I think if you don't have fans, if you don't have people watching, what's the point? So I went and talked to everybody and signed things and had a great deal of fun chatting them up. Um, you know, it's interesting, though, just me walking around, people have this vague sense they know who I am from something, but they can't tell if it's that I went to kindergarten with <laughs> them or high school or that they saw me in something. And then they'll say, what have I seen you in? And then I kind of have to you know go well do you watch this do you watch this do you watch this and a lot of times they go no i don't watch any of those and i'll go you know you can go to this thing called imdb.com yeah, I, I was gonna say you should walk around the imdb printout yeah. just go, or a little here card you go, saying, here you go this is what it's on. because there's just too much stuff and somebody's always watched one of the things and because a lot of the shows i've been on have been hits um that you know they'll remember my two and a half men people seem to remember that because it was very funny and a little you know it featured cleavage 
which people seem to remember. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'll get a lot of guys on Facebook trying to friend me because of my two and a half men, which is fascinating. But, you know, it's never like, I know who you are. You're that blah, blah from blah, blah. It's just if you're in the business and you watch a lot of TV, you probably know that I've done this and this and this. But if you're, you know, somebody I meet at the airport on a plane, they'll go, oh, yeah, you look, you look, do you? Do you do commercials? Do you do whatever? And I'll, and once again, I'll have to say imdb.com, and there will be your answer. Now, early on, you said you know you work with Peter Weir, who you were you know a big yes. fan of. Now, is there something through your career have you sat there and been really excited, like to even to audition or be on a show that you were a really huge fan of, hmm. or I mean, sit there and go like like me, like I love Seinfeld, like that would be like hmm. if I was you know acting, I'd be like what. I got a role in Seinfeld. I'd be like the happiest guy when it was on. Is yeah. there anything? Or is there anything that you sat there and were a huge fan and said, "God, you know, I I really want to get this." Or I would think, you know, when you do a lot of shows like you, it might be like, "Well, you know what? I really don't want to get this because if I'm in this one episode, fourteen episodes into the season, I know it's going to happen and it's going to ruin the whole season for me." <laughs> Actually, not really. I think the thing that I get more excited about is the people. Like if, you know, I did this very tiny role on Naked Truth, the Tia Leone show, where I got to have a scene with Tom Hanks. And and he's actually from Cleveland, where I'm from. Uh, and I, it was before, it was kind of in the big, before Forrest Gump, maybe. I, I forget exactly where in his career he was going, but he was incredibly well known. And, uh, and I was just really excited to meet him and and chat with them and you know if there's people who whose work i admire then i get excited i liked working with liev schreiber last year um we had so much fun just building scenes together and that to me is the joy of it um i think a lot of times for actors watching tv is a busman's holiday like you're most of you will be watching you know how to get away with murder or something going why did i audition for that part you know that's the sucky part of acting is like going wow i i would have liked to read for that but you know you just can't have access to everything see it's weird that you say that because it's true like watching tv like me when i watch tv i'm like hey wait a second that person's on my show and then i go <laughs> well wait a second why wasn't that person on my show and then you have to if you don't know the name you have to imdb it and then you got that person looks familiar then you go onto facebook Ooh. or like me you hit you up on a spencer garrett huh? yeah thread <laughs> <laughs> now ray donovan and and I love Ray Donovan. Yeah. And I, your character, and then I, I'm not going to give this, if you haven't watched it, you know, you, it's you, fun. you get, it's a fun character. Yeah. And what's it, I mean, once again, you're, as you say, you work with Liv Schreiber. I watched that show and like John Boyd is just amazing. Uh -huh. Like when you watch it, you're like, oh my God, he's so scummy. He's I, gross. I, I feel dirty <laughs> yeah. watching it. He's so good. Uh, what is it like? I mean, for when you go into a show like that, when you know, cause you're, you're a trained actor mm -hmm. and you go in and you, you know, I'm sure there's some gigs where you go, okay, the uh, but when you go in with, they're all heavy hitters. Right. I mean, how exciting is that for you as an actor to sit there and go, wow, you know, it's like I'm, I'm hitting the big leagues this week. I would be lying if I did not say it was intimidating sometimes because you, you want someone to, you know, I've done this a long time, but nobody knows that. I don't, Leah Schreiber didn't know who I was when I walked in there and, you know. There are people on TV who don't have a lot of experience who, you know, there are some girls who just play bimbos, which I am not that. But, but you know, you always have this weird feeling that you want to prove yourself, but you don't want to be obnoxious about it. So you just, the, the best weapon is to be as prepared as you can. So, you know, I thought about every aspect of the first scene I was shooting. Um, and I try to be, I learn everyone's name. I try to be polite to everyone doesn't matter where they are in the schematic of things uh i try to bring a lot of fun so that even if it's like an unpleasant scene where i have to cry about my dead child or something you know i call them the wife slash moms of the dead dying abducted or husband slash children those are the procedural roles for women uh that often occur and they're not that much fun because you usually just have to be sad 
But, you know, even in between shooting things, I like to add a little levity because if it's not fun for me, why am I doing it? You know, if it's not fun for everybody else, hopefully they're making tons of money and that makes it worthwhile for them. But I really want to have a good time. I want to make something cool. So, and if I get to do it with someone like Liev Schreiber, that's amazing because he's a really good actor and a lot of the other people I've worked with are as well. And some of them are incredibly giving and some of them aren't. And you just have to, you have to really be good at taking the pulse of a set when you get on there because you might be better off staying in your trailer and shutting up. Or you can go out and chat with the director and have a good time discussing things. You just don't know. Now in Ray Donovan, is it a snake you're dealing with? I'm trying to think. There was a snake. Yeah. Okay. Now, now, I mean, I love, I love the trajectory because she's drunk in the first scene. Then I get take a bribe. Then I get punched in the face. And then I get bitten by a snake. I mean, what else could they have done to me? I suppose I could have been run over by a truck by the end of it or something. Now, what what what's your feeling on snakes? Oh, I'm not I'm not afraid of. Okay, so it was, it was just all. a normal thing. They yeah, brought the snake. There in. was was someone afraid on the set. I don't. I think um the girl who plays Lena is afraid of spiders, but not snakes, but you know. So you're fine doing a scene with a snake. Yeah, I really, I've done a lot of uh, different scenes with animals. It doesn't bother me at all. What are some of your other animal scenes? Well, I did do a commercial with an orangutan and I love that guy. (laughs) He was so cute. He was supposed to be threatening in the commercial, which is why the commercial barely ran at all because the orangutans are not really that threatening. Um, and I just felt so bad for him because you could tell he really didn't like, they tried to rile him up so he could be threatening. And you could just tell in his eyes he was hating it. Um, I've done a commercial with a squirrel. Uh, <laughs> There's not a lot dogs of... are fun. I'm allergic to cats, so unfortunately I haven't done anything like that. The orangutan, though, you know, as you know, being the actor, I would be a little bit worried because, as you said, you could tell you felt bad for the orangutan because yeah. he was... They wanted him to get riled up. Yeah. But then I would be sort of afraid that once, if he did get riled up, he'd be batshit crazy. Cause well, the- you just don't know. I mean, you, I really, I don't know the temperament of an orangutan. They have tra- trainers all over the place. So you assume that everything will be on the up and up. Um, I did get to hug him and he gave me a kiss. So he was a pretty used to people. So I, I, re- I really never felt afraid at all. So, uh, you know, I see things where people are shooting stuff with bears and lions. I don't know if I could do that. That's that might I, be a little more scary. Yeah, to me. Now, how was it getting punched in the face? Well, that was interesting because that wasn't in the script. Okay, so what happened? They, well, <laughs> they were trying to figure out a way for me to drop the bag of snakes um, so the snake could get out and bite me. And they they hadn't really figured that out in the script. And they're like, somebody, I forget who, said, why don't why don't we have uh, Lena punch you? And I'm like, sure, okay. I was like, I'm game for anything as long as, you know, there's a mat for me to fall on. And they, you know, they didn't have a stunt guy there. So they had to call one in to show up on the set and figure out how to do this punch. And we shot it a lot because my neck hurt a lot <laughs> that evening. I have to say, but it looked really good. I thought the final product made me very happy. So they sit there and, and it has to be spaced so you don't oh, get yeah. hit. I mean, exactly. I, I, you have to space it with the camera. And the director of that episode was Michael Uppendahl, and he was amazing. Um, and they just shot it so that it looked really convincing from from the throw of the punch and the receive of the punch. Um, and it really didn't take that much longer for that shoot day to throw that punch in there and my main concern was that my response looked real and uh the director assured me it did and then by god it did it did because yeah. i said well and so and but were you worried that that you actually might get hit uh yeah and did that has that ever happened to you has that ever anything happened in your <laughs> career where you actually something when you thought okay this is gonna be and something went wrong like that well, there's a little thing called stage combat class. And in college, and a friend of mine who actually lives out here now was the, he was a grad student and he was teaching stage combat. And they they had us pair off. Um, well, no, he wasn't teaching it. He was my partner, but I think he was like the TA of the class. We were supposed to come up with a scenario, come up with a few 
stage combat moves and then do a little show for the rest of the class. Well, we picked a really threatening one where he's like going to kill me or rape me or something, which was probably a mistake because I got pretty riled up. And you're to throw a like a undercut to the chin, you're supposed to come close to the chin, slap your hands together and follow through. So it looks like you hit him in the chin, uh, but you don't. Well, I forgot to do the clap. <laughs> so I smashed my knuckles into his chin, into his jawline. I, I cut my hand. <laughs> I cut his lip. He was spitting blood everywhere. And he picked up a chair and he threw it against the wall. And like people couldn't tell if it was part of our scene, you know, that was so convincing or that something bad had happened. And he was fine, but he actually teaches acting now. And that little scenario is often told to his students because it, uh, it lives in infamy as the time that Stephanie freaked out and accidentally punched me in the face. Basically. Well, that's, that's but you were standing up for what you believe in. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I probably didn't get a very good grade in stage yeah. combat class that day. <laughs> I just I looked through IMDb. What's Flippin' Gib? Oh, Flippin' Glib. It is Glib. a web series, a series. Um, the uh, director, Mark Taylor, and the writer, Martin Richard Martin Hirsch, uh, decided to do this. Um, it's a it's sort of a buddy comedy about two girls, and uh, we shot six episodes, and we won a lot of web awards. I won Best Actress in a Comedy from LA Web Fest, from the Rome Web Awards, and I was hoping they would send me to I know LA. yeah it's like come on I'm I'm going to win send me over invite and, me yeah so it, it it's it's people seem to like it a lot I don't know if there're going to be any more episodes because it all depends on what the writers up to and how busy people get but the girl who played um uh glib Annie Abrams is now my writing partner and we're actually doing a a web series right now called Vivin Keeks because we actually we work well together so we decided let's keep creating stuff because I think that's part of how you get through this business is you do your own stuff too you know if you do stand-up you do that on your own if you write you write you and now anyone can shoot a web series pretty much so uh, it's a lot easier to create your own content than it used to be now how far are you into this new web series you're doing well uh, it's on YouTube. The new um, one. Yeah, the new one's called Viv and Keeks. That's V-I-V is the character I play, and Keeks, K-E-E-K-S. And um, we did a whole series over Christmas vacation called um, uh, Craft Rehab with Viv and Keeks, where, you know, to cope with the, sometimes a lot of us feel sad during the holidays, to cope with the emotions of the holidays they're really stupid crafts that we came up with people can do it's completely you know supposed to be a bad cable show a la wayne's world kind of a thing and uh we're just exploring these characters for future projects what's it like now that you're writing you're writing the character for you and you're uh -huh. actually and you're writing with someone which you know even though you get along there's always a little static when you write with someone because you have different ideas but do you enjoy writing for yourself or do you write for her character and she writes for your character or do you write it all together I we really are a great team because we have great ideas for each other I mean she knows her character really well and because one of the reason we came up with this is we were both sitting around going yeah I was probably saying I'm sick of auditioning for the wife slash mom of the dead dying or abducted children slash husband and she was probably sick of reading for the sweet girlfriend because she's a very very pretty young blonde thing um and so she said well what do you want to play and i said i want to play a really tough ex-con you know or something of that nature you don't look at my face and think tough ex-con but i certainly have a bit of that in me and i asked her and she goes well i love playing idiots she went to Stanford, you know, right. so and to, to us, these are dream characters for us. So we just have a really good symbiosis where we come up with ideas and uh, and bounce them off each other. And hopefully it will turn into something that's more than just a web show because we'd like to do something on a higher level. And you can find that on YouTube? Yeah, okay. on YouTube, Viv and Keeks. There's just... also a Facebook site and we're on Instagram and Twitter and all that. And stuff. how many episodes are there? Gosh, I don't even know now. I think we, we, we did, we're supposed to do the 12 days of craft rehab. I think we made it to nine days, and then we have a makeover where I got made over. So I think there's 10 episodes now. We'll be shooting one on Sunday. We're, we're going to sort of bleed them out 
once or twice a month. How long are they? Uh, between two and five minutes. So they're fun. So they're so fun. It's like sketches, you know. And it's it was more or less to develop these characters for something meteor. That's what's great too. That's what's great about YouTube too. You can just do something short, and then you can actually find out. And best thing is, if let's say you do a character and you don't like it. It's only one episode. They can go do another character. Exactly. I mean, it may not be everyone's cup of tea, and I'm totally, you know, willing to accept that. However, it's a character I'd like to play, and this is a way to start from the outside and just sort of what she would look like and talk like, and get more information about her as you work on her. And that's the exciting part of the work to me. Now you said you know you you when you were here you're getting away and doing theater. Are you doing any theater these days, or do you try to? concentrate on that at all? Well, last year I went up to the Garvin Theater in Santa Barbara and I did a 1940s uh, comedy called Light Up the Sky, which I love period comedy, uh, the 20s, 30s, 40s, all that stuff. Um, it, it takes a special skill. You have to be able to talk really fast, you know, do, do this kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and I love it. And I love the costumes. I really, uh, I like to embody different eras. So I took the job because it wasn't too far from here. And, uh, and it actually paid, like I said, getting a paid theater gig out of L.A. is very rare. Um, so, yeah, I will do theater. I'm actually doing a reading with Carolyn Hennessy and a bunch of people at Interact Theater the beginning of uh, March. Mary Lou Belli, who's a, a TV director, is directing us. So I will always do theater. If someone asks me, I'm usually there, you know. And now I saw, because we have to wrap up, wrap up in a few minutes, okay. I saw on your... IMDb, you have the Lady Killers. Is, is that with uh, Lily Holloman? Is, yes, yes, and, it and is. Jamie Keller and Ari yeah, the, Gross. Yeah, all those people. Okay. Yeah, it's still like in post production, so we'll, I don't know what's going to happen with that. I'm, I'm kind of waiting to see. Yeah, because she was on my show like two years ago. And it was yeah. post production back then. Yeah, but I was just wondering. It's all about the money. See, I was going to say that earlier. <laughs> this whole business—that's why Freaks and Geeks went away. It's like if, if the money isn't there, or nobody sees the potential for money good things may die and that's a sad thing um but i think maybe one of the things about having the netflixes and the amazons and the smaller cable stations is maybe you don't need to make as much money for shows and they get to live a bit longer at least that's what i'm hoping now do you watch do you, is there any shows you like to watch um that is a good question i i like bosch i um I really do like. I watched Downton Abbey. Is that trite? So you know. No, that's the okay. Everyone watched. I love all the BBC stuff. I mean, I think in another life I would be reincarnated as a British person, and I would just stay there and work for the BBC and do Stephen Moffat shows. I love the Sherlock with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. I really enjoyed that whole process. Although now we have to wait till 2017. I don't know if I can stand that. So. Isn't that annoying? Like when you sit there, it's like I'm still I'm still waiting for Curbing Enthusiasm to come back. Oh, they, see, but they the, never canceled it. <laughs> well, the thing is, it, it probably will come back. But the you know Benedict Cumberbatch is working so much, he doesn't have time to do Sherlock. So, you know, when something's in demand, it gets it gets, you know. As Benedict certainly is, it, things you want to see him do get put postponed. Uh, you know, I, I like a lot of things. I just um, right now my uh, I've been binge watching Parks and Rec and Thirty Rock just because those were produced by women, and I wanted to see because of Vivian Keeks what. And I I did uh, Parks and Rec um, the first season. But that was before you knew what it was going to become, and I really have enjoyed watching it all the way through. First of all, I have, all my friends are right. on these shows. Second of all, women are behind them, and I think there needs to be a lot more of that in the TV world for sure. sure. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Now, now do you tweet? Yeah, I do. My, my Twitter is Urbness, E-R-B-N-E-S-S. I have a Facebook wall that's my actress wall. You can like me on imdb.com. And, you know, also I'm Stephanie Herb 8000 on Instagram. Well, follow her. Oh, follow me on Instagram. I'm, I, Coop, I'm Cooper Talk 1. I will. I will indeed. And uh, people follow me on Twitter. It's at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. Go to my website, coopertalk.net. I have over 475 episodes up there. You can email me, cooper at coopertalk.net. If you want to advertise, like cafevalet.com, put in the word Cooper, $5 off. You can send me a message at cooper at coopertalk.net. Also, Facebook, uh, 
I'm just Steve Cooper. I have a Cooper Talk page. I don't even use it. It's been, hasn't, <laughs> it hasn't been updated for like two it's years. It's hard to have two. It, it's crazy. I don't. It's I don't, a little I don't do dumb. It. it wastes a lot of time. Yeah. And then uh, iTunes and Stitcher. It's Cooper Talk one word. And don't forget my other website, StopTheSalt.com. You know when I went through the health problem, I wrote the cookbook. Uh, it's low sodium cooking for one. 120 recipes. Easy to make. No pictures of ingredients that freak you out. No major. <laughs> no, no major ingredients like cumin. Just go in, do it. You can get it at Barnes and Noble or Amazon, or you can get it at my website, StopTheSalt.com. That way I make more money, and I will also sign it for you. So get the book, cookbook, start feeling healthy. Follow me on Twitter, at CooperTalk. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I will talk to you guys next week.